You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you got Sam alongside with Steve here for another week of Yankees baseball. Sam, we had a nail-biter tonight, and the Yankees need every win possible. We were on edge tonight, man. How you doing, though? I'm doing all right, Steve. That, if we're seriously speaking, that should have been a heartbreaking loss. That should have been another backbreaker. That was one that the Yankees have lost several, several times this year versus the Orioles, giving up Chad Green, giving up a two-run shot in the eighth inning. Uh, that you're right. That's a great point because those Yankees. How many times have the Yankees lost that game this year? And we've said, watch out. That loss could affect the playoffs here. Well, I know for a fact that the Yankees lost this game tonight. They probably missed the playoffs. So that was a huge win for the Yankees. Absolutely. And another thing to pay attention to, they're, they're so lucky they're playing the Orioles right here. They're not bringing out any flamethrowers out of the bullpen. Uh, the Yankees were able to get the first two runners on in the ninth. Shout out Tyler Wade for the steal that won the game. What, what a slide uh, to keep his foot on the base. Holy cow. He is so, so good at that. I feel like he never overslides where we have this bullshit constantly where the replay shows him off the bag. Really nice. He, you know, right when that first foot is off the bag, the second foot is directly Yeah, and, I, and so. it made up for it because I was yelling at him for to tag there. You got to make sure Cedric Mullins puts an absolute strike on you at third for the, the – uh, the, the sack fly, and he kind of bluffed it. I thought he should have went there. Like, if you're pinch hitting, I mean, you're pinch running in that situation, you, you got to make that, make that. I thought, uh, advancement to third. But in the end, it worked out. Yankees got the uh, the, the big bloop by uh, by Brett Gardner. Uh, so we got lots to talk about this week and, you know, this game particularly and what, what's looking up for the future. But as we said, huge win for the Yankees. That means, as of this recording, the Yankees are in a three-way tie for the wild card standings with the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Uh, Blue Jays and the Yankees, 82-64. and 64. Red Sox with two games uh, played more at 83-65. and 65. Uh, It's going to be a battle for this final two wild. One of these teams will not make the playoffs here. Right now, according to ESPN, they have the Yankees as the worst odds of the three to make the playoffs at 57.2. Red Sox at 73.8. And Blue Jays at 66.4. I find that those odds to be a little interesting here because the Blue Jays are obviously playing the best ball of the three, um, but I think it comes to the, the schedule. Like you said, the Yankees were lucky to be playing Oriole, the Orioles this week, but the Red Sox got six games left versus the Orioles, and that's a huge advantage that the Yankees and Blue Jays do not have. And the Yankees did have that advantage going back to last week. They had the three-game set with the Orioles, and they fucked up two of the three games. So they – kind of blew it if we're being honest here but the Yankees win the first two of the three games against the Orioles uh, with the finale coming Thursday just after five o'clock and when you look at the schedule I kind of see why the Yankees have the worst odds to, to make the playoffs you look at the schedule we started talking about it last week they'll host Cleveland, who's a middle-of-the-pack 500 team at the in the Bronx this weekend, and then they'll host the Texas Rangers, who have the second-worst uh, record in the American League by 10 games. So the, the Yankees really have to take advantage of this stretch in front of them. And then after that, 
I can't shy away from it. The schedule gets absolutely brutal. I mean, the, the Yankees the, go to Toronto that, that's been a they, they go they have six out. six in a row. They had three in Boston first and then three in Toronto. Like that's that's the wild card right there for all three teams here. The Yankees, I think, while they had the lowest um you know, odds at the moment, they control the most destiny here. They get the three versus Boston and three versus Toronto. Um, you know, the Red Sox get six versus Baltimore, which is a real killer for, for the Yankees here. It makes sense why they have the, the, the highest odds here. Um, Baltimore gets finishes the year three versus Toronto, where the Yankees finish versus Tampa. Um, but Baltimore also, I mean, but Toronto always also plays Tampa. I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot of, of what ifs can happen, obviously, in these next two weeks three weeks, um, but uh, I don't know. Like, who would uh, – I'm shocked that it, it's – I feel like the way that things are going, the Blue Jays have a spot, and it's between the Yankees and the Red Sox right now, the way the teams are going at the moment. But at the same time, things have flip-flopped so often this season that we could record next time and say the Blue Jays have no shot of making the playoffs. It's, it's been that kind of weird year for these three teams. It really has been, but Steve, you mentioned the Blue Jays. My God. They are scary right now. And if, if Shohei Otani wasn't a thing, they'd have the American League MVP and Vlad Guerrero, who just launched his 45th homer. He leads baseball in, in that category. You look at their lineup from top to bottom. I mean, Simeon's going to finish third in MVP, right? It's crazy. And nobody wanted to pay him over the winter. It's Bichette, Simeon, Guerrero. You have Teoscar Hernandez in there. And then, and then the bottom of the order, guys. It just doesn't stop with them. They really do remind me of the 2017 Yankees who make a big move for the pitcher at the trade deadline and Jose Barrios. The Yankees made one with Sonny Gray. Unfortunately, that didn't play out for them, but they make the big move for the pitcher. They have a bunch of young hitters, and they are a really fun and energetic team to watch as we're heading down the stretch here, and they're absolutely on fire. And then you look at the Red Sox, they are starting to play that 500 ball. Both them and the Yankees are 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. The Red Sox have won the last two. The Yankees have won the last three. Both kind of had their moments when they cooled off. But Toronto had that moment as well. And their run differential is plus 175. That's the best in the American League. It's, it's going to be a photo finish here, but... I have yeah. to say, I agree with you. I think Toronto has a spot, and it's going to be between the Red Sox and the Yankees. And Sam, you got to be scared then. If that's if that's the thing that we both agree on here, look at this schedule for the Red Sox. Three in Baltimore, two versus the Mets, three versus the Yankees, three in Baltimore, three Washington. I mean, I, I those teams stink, yeah, and that's including the Yankees in there. Like, if you're the Red Sox, you gotta you're thinking you might lose one or two games the rest of the year. Uh, it's crazy that how like soft their schedule is compared to what the Yankees are looking at, and that's gotta have all Yankee fans real nervous. Yankees can get hot and you know win ten of their last whatever sixteen left, and that might not, might not be enough. You're right, and it's the Red Sox have an easy schedule going down the stretch, and that's not a harp on them. They play the same opponents for, for the same length as the Yankees do, basically. It's, it's just timing, yeah. It, it's timing, and the Yankees blew a lot of opportunities. They lost two or three to the Orioles. They get beaten two out of three by the Mets. I mean, it's, it's they, they just They shot themselves in the foot. They, should, they, they put themselves in this position, and in the end, it's going to be taken out of their hands. 
every win is going to be so vital that, you know, it's going to be tough to see Toronto cool down and the Red Sox are are playing a bunch of AAA teams at the end of the year. And they're so shorthanded still. I know Garrett Cole come back. We'll we'll talk about a little bit about him. I thought his fastball command was the worst I've seen it all season long. Uh, That hamstring looked like it was still bothering him in the first inning. They're lucky that the Orioles don't have many competent hitters down the bottom of the lineup. He had to escape a bases-loaded jam right in that first inning. And Jamison Tyone is on the IL. He's got some foot problems, ankle problems. It doesn't look like we'll see him the rest of the year. And Jonathan Loisega, who I think has been their best pitcher all season out of the bullpen, I don't think anyone will argue that, he is on the IL. He was shut down for 10 days starting last week. He's not even throwing, I don't think. So and we've seen his loss every time Chad Green goes on the mound. It's it's so, <laughs> so frustrating. They're, they're, they're putting themselves in a really, really tough spot here. Um, and it's going to be sad to, to watch if they, if they don't pull this out because – you, you want to say those odds are wrong, but you look at these schedules and the, those odds are right. The Yankees have the worst odds of the three to make the playoffs, um, and they need to take advantage of every single little slip-up. And they, they luckily um, you know, didn't drop that game tonight here, but tomorrow's a huge game. Like this is a 5 o'clock, a little earlier start here, and the benefit is the Blue Jays and the Red Sox don't play. Like That's a must-win. That's a must-opportunity to gain a half game on both of these teams here just, just any time you can. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. That's you know that's 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 the race in baseball right here. That's what everybody's paying attention to. Um, is who from the AL East will be will be short, you know, draw the short straw come the end of the season here. You mentioned Garrett Cole, so Sam, let's get a little Cy Young talk here. Lots and lots of talk of Robbie Ray stealing the Cy Young from Garrett Cole. Uh, he's Robbie Ray, been on the Yankees radar for a long time. A lot a lot of Twitter chatter about him coming over for the past few years from the Diamondbacks. Ends up with the Blue Jays here, but I'm looking. Congratulations, Robbie Ray! Awesome game, awesome year he's having, um, career year for him. To me, though, there's still no way he steals this Cy Young from Garrett Cole. What do you Garrett think? Cole has had several great months where Robbie Ray has more or less come on in the the final stretch of the season. I mean, he's had some. He's had some really, really good starts for them. Do not, do not get me wrong. He, he has really, really pitched his way uh, into the Cy Young race, but I think you have to give it to Cole. I mean, he had a start against the Orioles where he got roughed up, didn't see the fifth inning in a September start, or excuse me, didn't see the sixth inning. Um, he, like I said, he's, he, he's been good. Cole's got him on on the strikeout numbers. Cole has been I think better all season long than than Ray has. Yeah. Um, Ray just passed him in strikeouts with his 11 Ks uh today, right? He was pitching today. So he's got 233 on the year. Garrett Cole's got 224, uh but he's also got 14 less innings pitched Garrett Cole that is. Um uh, but overall I just like the to me the numbers look pretty equal. For the most part, um, but it seems kind of like a little recency bias of just Robbie Ray's gotten hot in September, so now you think he's going to win the Cy Young, where I agree with you. Garrett Cole has had a great year. Uh, maybe that, that COVID stint could could lose him a couple of votes just because he's not going to finish the same amount of innings. But he's only got, yeah, only a difference of 14 innings right now. I, I wouldn't make that as a, a changing my vote type thing. Uh, if we look at 
um, fan graphs here. Garrett Cole has got a 5.4 war, where, you know, entering today, Robbie Ray's got a 3.7 war. So even with the, the, his most recent start, he's not catching Garrett Cole in that. Um, and I think more and more voters do look at war a little bit. Uh, so in my, in my set, you know, Garrett Cole just has to have, you know, two good start. I mean, he's going to get three more starts. And if he just does, you know, Garrett Cole stuff that the Cy Young should be his, uh, no matter what Robbie Ray does. I agree. And that's no disrespect to Robbie Ray. No, no, no. He's had a great year. One, great year. One-year deal with the Blue Jays. I mean, he has been really, really good. There's a lot of teams that missed the boat on him. So and the Yankees are one of them. The Yankees are, are, are absolutely one of them. Um, you know, I think, you know, at this point, you say you would rather Robbie Ray than, than Corey Kluber, without a doubt. Um, the way that they, the season that both of them are having here, and they're going to save a couple million if you're looking to, you know, the, the penny pinching Yankees. So he's uh, and he's he's going he's going to get paid this year. I don't know if he's going to be in Toronto, but shout out to Toronto for the moves they made. I mean, the, the splash was get George Springer for them, but really it's been Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon, two guys that no one really wanted that the, that the Blue Jays picked up. Um, and it turned into huge wins. So, you know. And it's tough to sell people on Canada sometimes. It's tough Especially to when you didn't know you were going to play there. This year, yeah. they, they only started playing going back to Canada like last month. Yeah, it, it was a circus. I mean, they were in Dunedin, they were in Buffalo, and it's a tough sell sometimes to get free agents there. Yeah. Uh, you know, moving your family to a different country. But shout out to them. I mean, they've pushed a lot of correct buttons. Year. They have, they have. All right, that's a, that's enough Toronto talk. Fuck them. I hope they lose every game. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, some other guys on on the Yankees here. Uh, the Wednesday starter, uh, Nasty Nestor, looked good again. Eleven strikeouts, worked into the seventh inning. Maybe one batter too long, but they uh, they were able to get out of it. Uh, so overall, another great start for him. It, it's just been a true revelation to to watch. You know, Cortez do this. We've talked about him a few times here. If the Yankees do get to the wild card and they do advance here, Cortez has got to get a start in the playoffs. Um, you know, we've kind of talked a few each week. We've kind of talked about who would be our our starting guys. You know, Montgomery's been really good up and down. Tyone's had that really hot stretch here, uh, but but quietly, uh, Na- Nasty Nestor has just come through and just been they're, they're more one of the more reliable starters this second half. Steve, I know we talked about Cole's injury on last week. And if he couldn't start in the wild card game, if a setback happens, that's one thing. But it looks he, like he, he might be, be around. He, but Cole might pitch that last game of the year to make the wild card game. That's the thing. Yeah, we we gave our answers last week. I said Jordan Montgomery. You said Jamison Tyone. And then Tyone got, got a foot thing twelve hours after we posted the, the episode, which really really sucks. <laughs> If Cole has to pitch that Sunday and he pitches a gem and the Yankees are able to go to the wild card game, do you do Nasty Nestor in the wild card game? Well, I, it, I think it goes beyond Cole. Like you said, Montgomery's been really good, but like those three games in Tampa are huge. It, it's going to be like, what do you do those final three games if, if every game is on the line here? Who are the three you're picking to get to the wild card game? Worry about the wild card game when you get there. You got three starts in Tampa. Who are you picking there? You're going Cortez, Montgomery, and Cole. I mean, you kind of have to because that's all we really have left here. Um, but it kind of how you pick that order, is, I think, is going to matter. Um, because I think whoever – do you start Cole in that first game? I don't, we got to see how the, you know, the rotation comes out here. But do you start Cole maybe in that first game versus Tampa in hopes that he could go on short rest in the wild card game? Do you save him for that Sunday if that becomes a – you know? In fact, the wild card game, it is a lot, a lot of questions um, 
that the Yankees will have have to answer the next few weeks here uh, for for a playoff spot here, where I don't know what they do with this rotation, and it's been a rotation that's really helped them out all season long, and the the bullpen's been overworked, and now that the rotation's a little overworked, uh, it kind of seems like it's all coming back to to bite the Yankees at the, the worst part of the year. Yeah, it, it it really is, and the Yankees have had to do a spot start with Luis Heal a couple times, and. In his first stint in the big leagues, he had three starts. He, he didn't give up a run. Walks weren't an issue. But to no one's two. surprise, we're now seeing walks galore in the last two. And they've come back to bite him in the ass. He didn't give so, up a home run those three starts. He gave up two in the first stint the other day. But I to give him a little shout-out, though. He did fight through it and still pitched um, you know, six innings in that, that Minnesota game where the Yankees were able to come back and get that win. But you know, he gave up five earned in the first three innings. Yeah, so and and you obviously can't be in a hole like that going down the final stretch of this season. And the bullpen shorthanded. There's no more Zach Britton for the rest of the year. Jonathan Lewiska, we don't know if he's going to be back. It sounds unlikely. They need some guys to pick up the slack. Yeah, so let's get ready uh, to Sam. Give me give me a little rant here about how fucking terrible Chad Green's been. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's I know tonight. Home run should have only tied the game because Glaber Torres had a boneheaded play. But it's getting to the point where he's letting up home runs at an alarming rate. I mean, imagine this guy in a one-run game. I mean, can you even do it? Because no, the you first, can't. Because the first uh, pitch could be a home run. It's never the first pitch, Sam. I'll tell you why it's never the first pitch, because I watch the first pitch of Chad Green. I'm like, hmm, stuff looks good. Maybe he has a good outing. Every time I fall for it with Chad Green, I was like, ah, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty good. Like today, he came in for Cortez, and he finished the inning, looked really well. I was like, man, I really like when Chad Green looks like this. And then 0-2 just puts a fastball right over the plate. Bury a pitch. He's a fastball hitter. Maybe it's got to be a combination of, of everybody, whether it's it's Gary making the calls, you know, Blake in the dugout here. You got to know you can't miss with a fastball to a fastball hitter, and and Green just misses with a fastball to a fastball hitter every time. That every one to Lindor was brutal. Every time. Yeah, he's given up a home run in each of his last three appearances. This is this is a major major issue he went four straight without giving up a home run or excuse me three straight and then he gave up one in oakland and then he gave up one in the saturday game or excuse me friday game against thursday game against minnesota excuse me but i mean that that's given up several home runs in, in the last month said his last four games he's given up five runs five runs and three home runs like, the guy's got, like, a 15 ERA in the month of September. Like, you, you can't have this guy out there uh, at this point. Like, why, why after that Mets game, both Mets games, he gave up a run in, you know, the September 11th game and the September 12th game, why, why are we having him pitch before Clay Holmes? Like, why are we not? There, there is, like, it's not, he's not the only option out there. There are, you know, honestly, Albert Abreu's pitched pretty good. I know you kind of go with the experience of Chad Green, but we've seen it for years. When Green struggles, it's multiple games in a row, and he needs to take a break. Um, so he, he's pitched the most innings his entire career. He's had the most appearances his entire career here. I don't want to see Chad Green in the game for the next three games. He needs three days off. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're coming up on a stretch where you have the Baltimore finale of Baltimore tomorrow. You have the Indians coming on over the weekend, and – 
The Indians, I know they're 500, but they have some game records in that lineup. Fran Mill Reyes has been on fire. Uh, Jose Ramirez. Is, oh, he always has a big game versus the Yankees. It's, it's so, so painful to watch sometimes. And Green, when he misses, like you said, he misses with his fastball. He misses thigh-high middle in. Look at that pitch against Lindor. That is the textbook definition of how he misses. And Clay Holmes has had some pretty good appearances lately. The top of the 10th against Minnesota was very, Huge. very encouraging. Getting out of that extra inning with a ghost runner on second base so uh, Abreu had a really big I can't remember which game it is but he had a huge appearance uh this week as well when he came through so it's it's you know we, we we go away from you know going with the hot hand here and we're just going with old reliable Chad Green where he's given up 14 home runs this year which is tied for the most in baseball I think as a reliever um you know you can't have him in a spot here where if there's a guy on base and you could lose, like if, if you're going to make the move and you had Wandy up there, Wandy's faced his share of righties this year. Um, you, you make the pull as soon as you get the guy on base, you, you pull the plug. Um, I obviously had you had the Glaber instance here, so it's not a, as simple as there too. But there was nobody shocked that, that that Chad Green gave up that home run tonight. And luckily for the for the Yankees, it didn't bite him in the ass. Yeah, thankfully they bounced back and they got the first two runners on and. There was a mistake that really bit them in the ass where it should have been a tie game uh, and not a one-run lead for the Orioles, and that was Glaber Torres just throwing a first on a routine double play ball. Uh, yeah, to get into guys who haven't been reliable, I mean, look at Glaber Torres. Yep. Aaron Boone has pulled him off of shortstop. Gio Urshela now appears to be the everyday shortstop. And not only, and I really, really want to hear your opinion on this, not only did he have that brain fart against uh, or in the field on the Bates path tonight, <laughs> I am still trying to figure out if he thought there were two outs or he thought via, or if he thought Martin had no shot of catching that. Now, I will say in that situation, having played baseball somewhat recently for a few games, I am really che- he was overly cheating towards third yeah. on that play. Because he thought Martin had no shot of making an over-the-shoulder uh, sliding catch. What do you think was going through I'm going to be Team Glaber here and give him the benefit of the doubt that he read that ball perfectly and thought there was no shot that Martin was making that play. Because Martin got a lot closer than I thought he was. Because um, right off the bat, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a catchable ball for the shortstop. And then you realize that they were playing in. So my, my perspective is... I would like to think, but Glaber hasn't given me any reason to think this, but I would like to think the play was, the shortstop was right in front of him. So Glaber is staring at him as that ball's hit and is like, oh, I got this, no doubt. But there, there was that slight hesitation where he looked at third and Tyler Wade was still standing there and he kind of slowed down a little bit and he kind of had that oh shit moment of like, do you think he thought there was two outs type situation? But in the end, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say absolute bonehead play in the field, but but read that ball pretty well, uh, and essentially that that made up for his error in the field, and won the Yankees the game. But as you said, it it could it really could have gone either way there too. It, the Yankees losing that game on a double play with Glaber sprinting towards third would have been would have been brutal for him because, like you said, he's no longer the Yankees shortstop. Um, you have to think that means forever they're not going to go back to him at shortstop now next year. But but for this year, this just changes a lot in the infield. 
you, you move like Glaber's not a great second baseman to begin with. So you're putting him, you're putting a, a, a bad defender, making him a little less bad at, at second. Then you're taking DJ LeMayu, a gold glove second baseman, putting him at third, which obviously hurts the infield just a little bit. And then you have Gio switching over to shortstop. Gio made a nice diving play at short today, but I don't think he really has the range that we would like to see from a shortstop. I mean, neither does Glaber, so what does it matter? But overall, it was an interesting move that I really didn't expect the Yankees to make here, but they haven't lost since they've done it. It's, it's versus the Orioles, but if this kind of gets Glaber back on track, um, you know, back to 20, 2017, 2018, Glaber, then it'll be a good move. You know, he had that bomb versus um, the Mets here. I haven't seen him turn on a ball like that in two years. Yeah, that was really, really good to see, but it, it's just been marred by constant mental error after mental error after mental error. I mean, these are routine. He had so much time shooting. to go to second today. It's it's just. I, oh, it's, speaking of that though, I I do like. I don't think it's a guarantee they turn the double play. Mullins can run. He dropped the ball, so easily they get the guy out at second. But it's gonna take a good throw, which Arshel obviously has a great arm. But it's gonna be a close play at first. I think you know eighty five percent of the time they turn that double play. Um, but still still a bonehead play by 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 Glaber too. I thought he caught it off the bat. I was like, oh, double play, throw it to first. I didn't realize that he dropped the ball. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I thought they had a shot of turning the double play. And even, no, they if did, you just yeah. get, even if you just get the force at second, it's... A, a the mentality of the mound changes for sure because you're not a base hit doesn't win the game, doesn't lose the game. Yeah, and, and you're not worried about sign stealing and all that other BS. Uh, but yeah, just... And I, I'm Team Glaber. I gave everybody a mulligan for 2020. That w- yeah. was not really a true season in my view. But... Coming back in 2021, we talked about MVPs on last year's season opening episode. Glaber Torres was mentioned at the forefront. He had nearly 40 home runs in 2019, the last full season. And then he comes out and lays a dud in 2020. And the dud has continued for most of this year. I know he was really, really good prior to going on the DL after the All-Star break. He, he had a you know 500 uh, slugging percentage in his last 20 games. He had an OPS close to 900, which was really encouraging to see. But it, it hasn't been good for him Yeah, and lately. I, I'm, I'm not buying that the whole reason that his power has gone down is because he's overthinking shortstop. Like, he hit 38 home runs – um, in 2019, and he played 50% of his games at shortstop because DD was hurt. So this wasn't like a new thing. Yes, 2020 was the official, hey, Glaber, you're the future shortstop of the Yankees. But but in 2019, he played 77 games at shortstop and still had that power. So I, I don't like the uh, – which is more of a concern. Like what happened, you know? Look, we're talking about a guy in his first, you know, 270 games hit 65 home runs. And now he's got 10 since then. It's pretty crazy with the lack of power and his overall hitting has, you know, decreased. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, Sam, what would you say here before we move on? Is Glaber Torres a Yankee on opening day next year? I think he is, but where? I'm not, I'm not really sure. It, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. You sign DJ to that long contract and you hope that he is your, your second baseman for the majority of it here. But if he's on the Yankees, it, it's not going to be at short. So that means he's got to be at, at second, which puts DJ where? At first full time? You, so you're getting rid of Rizzo and trading Voight. Um, you're putting him at third. 
Um, and then you move, we move in Geo. I don't think Geo is going to be a full time shortstop. You know, do you do you sign someone short term and wait for these young kids to come up here? You go get Corey Seager. There's a lot, a lot of things out there for the Yankees to do this off season um, with the with the middle of their infield. And we'll get into that during you know off season episodes and everything here. But for now, Gleyber Torres is a second baseman, and Gio Urshela is a shortstop for the Yankees for the next uh, for the rest of the year here, and that's a that's a big change. It really is, and I agree with you about Torres. How they, or excuse me, Urshela, how they feel about him, and how he doesn't probably doesn't have the range that they would like, but he's more than serviceable at shortstop. He's not going to have the, the the routine booting the ball that yeah. um, Torres has, even though. Urshela was easing his way back at 30 at a couple bluffs, but he struggles his coming back. So we could swing that into Gio. Big big home run for Urshela today because uh, I gave Gio a little ripping uh, this week on Twitter because he's been he's been pretty bad since he came back from from the IL and, and the Yankees need him to one provide pop uh, just and just overall have good at bats, which we, which we saw today because he was putting up some some legit no show at bats the past few weeks. Oh, it, it, it's been it's been pretty brutal. I mean, it, it's gotten to question me. It's like, is that the Gio Urshela that uh, I, I know and love out there? And it, it looked like a totally different person. Dude, Sam, he was batting honest. 115 with zero RBIs the past two weeks before tonight. Yeah, since he I mean, returned, come on. <laughs> since he returned from the IL entering the night, his on-base percentage – was one six? Uh, he was getting on base less than twenty percent of the time. Yeah, and, and he took. And while he was out, Tyler Wade was in the lineup almost every day, hitting four hundred. So it's a huge change there, and it, it, it's no coincidence that that led into the, the Yankees losing streak here. That was a, he was a, an empty hole in that lineup, um, and you hope it turns around because like if, if Gio can can have big at bats like he did tonight, um, you know that was a good that was a good deep shot, almost four hundred feet. Those are, you know, that's only his 11th home run, I think, on the year. Um, and it's been a while since he hit one. So that, that was much needed for, for the Yankees. Uh, one final comment about tonight's game, Sam. Uh, Cedric Mullins, Robin, Gary Sanchez was, was, was beautiful. That was just unbelievable. That was an it, unreal catch. It hurts so much, but you just have to tip your cap there. He timed his jump perfectly. And he went full extension over the wall. Yeah, and he knew it. He looked like he looked like he knew that for a while. He was like, "Oh, I could definitely get this." I, that's one of my favorite plays in baseball. I wish it happened on the other side of things tonight. But yeah, you, you just have to. <laughs> Can you imagine Brett there. Gardner trying to jump that high? <laughs> Big hit tonight. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. But I think if you tried to do that, you would be eating the wall, and your glove wouldn't even get to the top. <laughs> and Mullins is at a fantastic year for them. Huge year. Huge year. Miserable team. So it was. T- t- tip your hat to him. And that was that was a fun play to watch tonight. Even though the Yankees got robbed of a couple of. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been a much. We wouldn't be talking about it if the Yankees lost this game. We would be saying Cedric Mullins sucks, and we don't want to ever play him again. But we, now that now that the Yankees won that game. Uh, that great, great, great catch. Um, and he, he, like you said, he's been a lone bright spot for, uh, for this Orioles team. And something else about tonight's game. One last thing, I tweeted about it. Was there a single Orioles fan there in the ninth <laughs> inning? I, I, I don't think there was. It, it's Yankee Stadium South, Fenway South. It, it's I, I love Camden Yards. It's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, but I, I can't blame any Orioles fans for not going to September games when you're about to lose a hundred games for what, like the third third year in a row. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a Yankee Stadium crowd. 
I saw two orange specks out in the outfield when they did the view from behind home plate. I saw two, so like two people wearing orange shirts, and then everything else behind home plate, obviously behind the Yankees dugout, uh, and, and the chants you heard, the "Let's Go Yankees," the, the DJ DJ chants. I'm convinced that there was not the maybe eight Orioles fans in there <laughs> by the end of the game. Uh. Yeah, and someone who wasn't there, but actually, no, he made an appearance late in the game, was uh, Joey Gallo. Uh, Joey Gallo has struggled since coming over from uh, from Texas to the Yankees. Um, he's gotten a lot of, a lot of hate for his his recent play here. But Sam, he's turned it up. He's turned it up a little bit, and naturally, the Yankees gave him the day off today. Said he's kind of was a little banged up, um, but two back to back games with home runs. He's now got uh, eight on the year. No, more than that. I'm sorry. He's got nine home runs on the year. With the nine home runs on the year with the Yankees, still only batting 148, but he's finally got that on-base percentage over over 300. Um, it, it is much more enjoyable to watch Joey Gallo hit home runs than it is to watch him strike out. No, no shit. But the Yankees are a completely different team if, if he is in the lineup here. I mean, we were when they were playing the Mets, the announcers were just like, walk everybody in front of Gallo and just strike him out. Like, they were saying that on national TV. That big, awesome Stanton home run. They were like, why are you pitching to Stanton when Joey Gallo's on deck? That's not what the Yankees traded for. The Yankees traded for someone who should be feared that he's going to go yard every single pitch. Um, and he's had a good couple games, and he needs to continue that next week uh, for the stretch for the Yanks. Since the Yankees sat him, he's 5-24, three home runs. He's batting 263, the 375 on base percentage. Yeah, a lot of walks there, too. Yeah, oh yeah, he's got, in that time span, you know, he's walking in just under 20% of his at-bats, uh, and his OPS is over 1,000, so that, that stretch since he got benched is seven games, it's not a lot, I wish he didn't sit tonight, but yeah, I'm possibly a little banged up, and yeah, the last week has been good to him, he, he's really displayed a, a lot of is that bats look different? He's looking like he's swinging and he's not looking up. He's not up there looking to walk, even though he has had a good amount of walks in that span. Always, always has kept his eye, which is nice. Um, but yeah, like you said it, it's. It kind of reminds me of the way when Stan gets hot. When Stan gets hot, you know he's locked in. We talked about it a few times this year. Completely different human at the plate when he's locked in versus when he when he's struggling. And Joey Gallo kind of brings that same persona to it. You could kind of tell walking into the box whether this is going to be a good at-bat or not. And the past few weeks, you were like, Joey Gallo has no chance of touching the baseball right now. Um, and, it, and it showed. But two, two back-to-back games of the home run. He had a home run the other day in, in Queens as well. If that bat gets going here, that's going to really lengthen this lineup here and, and bring a, a great threat um, for the Yankees, which is obviously the guy that they, they traded for. Yeah, they traded for two lefties in Rizzo and Gallo to balance out that lineup a little bit. And... It's uh, when Joey Gallo gets hot, he'll, he'll he'll get hot. He'll hit seven home runs in twelve games. Uh, you know, there's not he might even hit twelve games. home runs in seven games. He gets that hot. <laughs> oh yeah, and with that short porch at Yankee Stadium, the Yankees have their final homestand of the season coming up. The the final three games are in the Bronx, but this is their final six game homestand of the year coming up against the Indians and the Texas Rangers. Joey Gallo's former team, ironically, but 
it's it's they're so comparable, Steve. That's a really really good comparison about Stanton and Gallo. That when when they're locked in, they're locked in, and when they're not, it's like, dude, have you ever yeah. hit in Major League Baseball before? So it's 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 very good. It's good to see him uh, a little bit more confident and getting traded in the middle of the season's tough. I, I mean, huge. Don't Look. forget. These guys are people too. They're, they're being asked to relocate on a fly. They're, they're living out of a hotel room. They're, they're friends. Their family is all back. Uh, it's he's being thrown in from one of the worst teams in baseball to hey, you need to now carry this team to a playoff type situation. It's it's a huge change. And yes, they're obviously professional players, and this is what they get paid to do. But kind of a Rod pointed it out during uh, his broadcast. There's a lot of Yankees that a lot of players that came over that struggled when putting on the pinstripes. It's, it's, you know, himself, Giambi. He mentioned Clemens coming out a little week out the gate here. It's really tough to find someone that comes into New York right away and, and performs. I mean, Rizzo had that great first stretch, but he also, you know, tampered off uh, a little bit. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see here what the, what the Yankees do with him staying and judge for the outfield and being able to um, get Luke Voigt in the, in the lineup here. I think the Yankees' best lineup is with Luke Voigt um, as a DH and and the other guys, you know the you know the, the massive trio in the outfield. Yeah, uh, and I we've been saying that all along. They're only playing that about three four times a week, and Luke Voigt's been sitting, which really really sucks. But when when he's in the lineup, he's absolutely mashing, and he's looking like that home run leading hitter that he was during last year's season with no fans. In the stands, but I, I think coming down the stretch here, you, you, you go down swinging in every game. You have to put your best lineup out on the field every single game. I know the Mets and Louis Rojas are getting a lot of heat for him not managing every game like it's their last. Uh, they're in a lot worse position than the Yankees are right now. Their, their playoff odds are probably under 10%. I haven't even looked, but it's... It's like you said, this is do or die time, and it's absolutely huge. It's You have to manage every game like it's a do or die, especially with what you said in the beginning of the episode with the schedule the Red Sox have if we're assuming that Toronto is definitely going to get a spot, which I agree well, with. I hope, hope this episode jinxes Toronto. Um, and, then, and then, Sam, just to just keep playing a little devil's advocate here, Brett Gardner's had a great month. Brett Gardner's playing himself into, you know, I, I I would much rather I'd be happy with that that big lineup in the outfield and void a DH here, but you, you can't fully take away from the fact that Brett Gardner's hitting 300 the past month, and he's got four home runs. Um, he's getting on base uh, actually a, a, a ton. He's getting on base 38% of the time the past 30 games here. So, you know, shout out to, to old man Brett. You know, I, typically we see him get hot earlier in the year then really, really taper off at the end. The past few years, just because he's kind of is overplaying um, his time here, but he's playing pretty well for the Yankees, and you know, came through with that. He didn't hit the ball that far today, but that uh, you know clutch base hit uh, tonight for the Yankees to get to get the win. So it will be uh, something to keep an eye on how uh, manager Aaron Boone, I almost said Joe Girardi, <laughs> how Aaron Boone uh, picks out these five players. You know, obviously Judge is going to be lined up every single day. Um, but how he rotates, you know, I think Stan should be lined up every single day as well, but how he rotates Gallo, Gardner, and Voigt, because let's be honest, uh, you know, Gard- Gardner has played himself into earning some at-bats. 
Yeah, he really has. And it just makes me joke. I was joking with a buddy of mine the other day. Does this mean Gardner's going to have a one-year deal come next February? He, he did I technically mean, sign a two-year deal. There is like a team option. <laughs> it's it, it's crazy. Like I, I feel like he's going to be playing on the Yankees when you're – Son, who's one years old, one year old, it goes into high school. They might play like together gonna... on the Yankees. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Sixty-five-year-old <laughs> Brett Gardner out there in center field. <laughs> it's crazy. He signed that four-year extension in, in 2014 that started in 2015, and then it's been that was up in 2018, and he signed one-year deals 2019, 2020, and now 2021. Like, is another one-year deal coming for Brett Gardner? Yeah. This Sam, I, I know I have a tweet out there that the day the Yankees signed Jacoby Ellsbury, I said, thanks for the fun, Brett, but your time is over as a Yankee. And he's still freaking here. <laughs> and, and it's like the Tom Brady meme. It's like, we're still here. Yeah, that's we're what he's doing, man. But, and he's grinding away. He's had some big, big at-bats. Um, and he's even shown some power. Like we, we were talking a lot um, about him earlier in the year is when we the, – kind of the, the, the power surge he's had later in his career has been a reason to keep him in the lineup. But if he wasn't hitting for power like he hasn't really this year, then there really hasn't been a point. But the power is starting to come back. He's got four home runs uh, the, the past 28, game, 28 games. So, like, that's, a, that's, that's decent power for, for Brett Gardner. He, he's doing – you know, he's got, he's got more home runs than, than Glaber Torres. And then the past thirty days, or and everything like that, he's got more. He has more home runs than Torres the entire year. So um, it's it just you know, at, at thirty-eight years old, Brett Brett still still goes out there and puts it in there with his emotions. And Sam, we got to give a also the, that stay in Lindor kind of uh, fiasco. You saw the clip of Brett Gardner giving the double thumbs down, screaming at Lindor like that. That had me rolling. That's just old man like booing and ump at like his son's you know third grade uh, third grade basketball game. Just standing up there, double thumbs down, booing was classic Brett Gardner. I could not. I could not believe that. And that was a fun back and forth. I know Lindor got the last laugh, but. Stanton parking one off a hand and them chirping at each other around the bases. I've never seen – I saw a video on a AAA baseball game a couple weeks ago where benches cleared in the middle of the home run. It was the Yankees I, too, though, wasn't it? It was – was it the Yankees minor league team? I, I, th- I, think, it was the, I think it was the Yankees double-A team. I thought they had a bench-clearing incident not too long ago. I, I wasn't sure if, <laughs> if it was or not, but it was yeah the minor league game. The guy was trash talking when he hit a home run and walking around the field, and that kind of reminded me of what Stanton did. I, I've never and, seen it before. He like just stopped. Oh, and he stopped and he made sure he knew what he was saying. Yeah, uh, uh, and it was an overall interesting incident there too. I mean, I, I, I've watched the, the John Boy video of him trying to recant the the whistling and see what's going on there too. And it, to me, it seems pretty obvious that that Wandy Peralta can be a world champion whistler and it just does it randomly throughout the game. <laughs> it's too, too funny. Uh, and, and I wonder if Taiwan Walker was actually tipping pitches. I didn't see any. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, hey, if, if you think there's something up there. So, I mean, from a Mets perspective, um, I forget who, a Villar that went up and said, hey, change something up here. It, it's the right call to do. You should go tell him like, hey, some, maybe something's going on here. I don't know. But hey, you gave up back. You gave up two bombs, um, and there's been loud whistling. So you're like, hey, let's take a look at it. And if he was tipping pitches, it's up to his teammates to go and tell him. It's not the Yankees can whistle all the fuck they want. There's nothing illegal about them doing that. So 
Um, interesting, interesting incident, I'll, I'll say, for Sunday Night Baseball, Yankees-Mets. Uh, it does guarantee that Lindor will be booed anytime he steps foot in Yankee Stadium, which was always the case anyway. Yeah, uh, it's that was just so fun to see. Was, there was a, a lot of fireworks on Sunday Night Baseball on a weekend that was really, really beautiful. I know they had those ceremonies there yep. for 9-11, 20 years. And then they had some nice things at the Giants game. You know, n- never forget, of course. But what a weekend it was between the Mets and the Yankees. And to have it end like that, I love the trash talking between the teams. I think that's what makes it more fun and it gets younger fans engaged in the game. It ended up being, yeah, I agree. It ended up being all fun and games, you know, even at, even at towards the end when they're getting split up, like Lindor kind of had a smirk on his face, like, Oh shit, I didn't really mean to start it this bad. And then the smile got even bigger when he sends Chad green to, you know, back to back over the bridge to, to Manhattan with that third home run. And it's not the first time he's taken Chad Green deep in a huge game either, because we obviously remember him giving up that grand slam in the in the in the division series years ago. So it was that one was kind of obvious. I felt coming too. I was like, I felt real nervous that that the Yankees needed to have the lead before Lindor came up. And uh, you know, good for him. He'll he'll be in New York for a long time, and it, he might be a pain in the Yankee side six games a year. But uh, the, the Mets got, like, as you said, got their own struggles out there uh, for for the playoffs. Um, all right, Sam, let's finish it up like we do every week here, looking at the schedule here. We already talked about it a lot, but let's kind of go a little game by game here. Thursday, uh, early start here. They must know that me and you want to be miserable and watch the, uh, the Giants play on Thursday night here. So the, the Yankees play at 5 o'clock uh, on Thursday, Montgomery versus Ellis. Um, and then, But on Friday, Corey, Glub- Corey Kluber returns. Uh, not returns because the game's home, but Corey Kluber versus Cleveland. That's kind of be a that should be a little emotional game for for Corey going against his uh, his old team where he won two Cy Youngs. Yeah, that that will be a, a fun game, you know, to kick off that series. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, especially like you said, Kluber going against the Indians. The Yankees and Indians had that epic playoff battle in 2017 where Kluber was wearing the Indians uniform. It's it's going to be fun, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing him hopefully get some length. I want to see a quality start out of him. This is a huge start for Corey Kluber. Forget that he's playing his old team here. Is that just for that reason, like you said, he the Yankees need him to kind of get into form here. He's had you know he had extended rehab starts, and he's come back and, and hasn't really looked sharp um, in his returns here. But he's gonna, he's lined up to get you know three more starts before this year ends, and those are going to be. The, Three huge uh, – he might even get four starts the way the, the, the rotation is lining up right now. So huge, huge game uh, for Kluber here. So I, I like that it lines up that Kluber gets Cleveland and then he gets Texas. So he doesn't really – he won't be facing Boston um, just because I, I think there's better pitchers other than, that, that could face Boston. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, up in the air Saturday, but looks – all indications will likely be uh, Lewis Heel getting the start. Um, versus Zach Plezak, who has pretty good stuff still uh, in Cleveland, and then Cole going uh, on Sunday. So huge weekend, you know, one more versus Baltimore and three versus Cleveland. Look, the way that the, the, the way that everybody else is playing, you can't lose a game. So this has got to be the next time we talk, Sam. The Yankees better have six, seven wins in a row, eight wins in a row. That, that that's a lot to ask. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, would, I know, is, I know. <laughs> it, it's it, it is. I, I think. I think they need to win the finale in Baltimore, take two or three from the Indians, and then, and then sweep the um, 
sweep Texas. Uh, sweep the Texas, and that would give them six. That would give them six of seven wins, and then if you go back, it would give them nine of ten wins overall. Again, that still might not be enough. <laughs> that is crazy. Yes, Texas is going to be Nesta Cortez, Jordan Montgomery, and Corey Kluber. Um, first three people that I've never seen before. Oh, is that Glenn Otto? Is that the the Yankees guy that we got? So the Yankees yes. will face. Yeah, that's the, that was a a piece that went back for uh, um, for Joey Gallo here. So the Yankees will. Sam, you know the Yankees are going to lose that game, right? You know Glenn Otto is going to pitch like six innings, one run. <laughs> I can't. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> All right, well that's we'll we'll try and and then they have an off day finally. So after the Texas series, the Yankees have a huge off day. Uh, their last off day of the year. Um, they really got to get everyone bullpen rested there because then it becomes Boston at Toronto. So we'll definitely jump on, Sam, after that Texas series and give you the full rundown of the Boston and Toronto re- uh, preview. But uh, until then, it's, it's got to be wins all around here because, you know, if, if the Yankees lose a bunch of games here, we might be having, a, you know, uh, ending the season early with our, our next podcast, and that can't happen. I do not want to think about that. I, okay, we won't. We won't. Ne- they're going to win. They're going to win, and then we're going to come back next Thursday and talk about how the Yankees are going to destroy Boston and Toronto. I really, really hope so. Well, uh, looks like, yeah, the schedule co- yeah, comes out and fo- folds out that we'll uh, be talking next Wednesday or Thursday. So, um. I'm excited. We we need a big week. This is this is the last. They need to rack up wins. That's the bottom line. Rack the wins. Keep stacking wins here. Hey, look, it's we. They had a really really rough stretch to start to to start September here, but winners of their last four or five. That's all I see right now, Sam. We are tied for a wild card spot, and we've won four or five here. Keep winning. That's all you got to do. It, it's pennant race baseball. Every game matters. Every single game matters. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that makes me nervous watching the Yankees play. But uh, but it's fun. It's fun to see. And we appreciate everybody guys listening to us all season long as the pennant race gets tighter and tighter. It can't be tighter than this. This is what baseball wants. Three teams fighting for two spots here. Uh, it's time for the Yankees to go up, you know, shut up and put up and go get these wins. And uh, we'll be back next week to, to see if they can do it. Photo finish. Let's go, Yanks. All right, Sam. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. 